0: Turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. I want to read to you uh, four verses tonight. And then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. And then I would ask that you would continue to pray, that everything would go, continue to go just exactly according to God's will. I'd say everything that God wanted me to say, nothing more and nothing less. Philippians Chapter 4, I'll give you just a moment longer to find it. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. which strengtheneth me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here tonight one more time, thanking you for the good day, thanking you for the many blessings, thanking you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us, from from the freedom that we have in this nation to be able to freely gather here tonight without fear of persecution, to the very breath that we draw, it's a gift from you. And Lord, I think that sometimes that uh, we're quick to go to you with our needs, but we're slow to take time to just thank you and praise you for the things that you've done. But you have. You've been so good to us, Lord, so much more than what we deserve. And the greatest gift that could ever be given, you give, right? When we didn't deserve it. Uh, when we were still yet at enmity as you say in your word with you when we were still in rebellion against you God you loved us anyways and you sent your only begotten son you gave him freely and he died on Calvary's cross his blood was shed for not his own sins because he was without sin but for our sins so that we could be reconciled to you God what more could we want? What more could we ask? The greatest gift that could ever be given has already been given. God, I hope that we don't ever take it lightly and we don't ever take it for granted. We're never flipping about it. I pray, Lord, that we always have praise and glory on our lips for you because you alone are worthy of it. I pray, Lord, that we'd never forget what you've done for us. And Lord, I pray as we go forward here tonight. I've already said it doesn't feel right to even ask anything else of you, but you tell us to cast our cares upon you. And so, Lord, here we are one more time before you tonight, Lord, and there's many needs among, among us. I don't know them all, but, I'm, uh, but I know that there is. And so, Lord, I just pray tonight that you would just move amongst your people in a mighty way. God, that you'd stir our hearts. Lord, that you'd walk amongst us and have your way here. Uh, in a mighty way tonight. Lord, we just continue. We've already felt your presence, but I want to especially continue to invite your presence into the, the preaching part of the service here tonight because I know that I can't do anything without you. And so, Lord, I'm just asking tonight, Lord, that you would meet every need here tonight. God, that you'd lift us up and encourage us, that you'd draw us near to you. God, that you'd convict us of where we fall short. Lord, if there's any here tonight that are lost and undone, God, let tonight be the night that they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting, too late. Lord, whatever the needs is here tonight. And Lord, I just pray also, I need your help tonight. I feel inadequate. I never feel like that I have prepared enough. I never feel like that I know enough. I never feel like I've prayed enough. I never feel like that I'm ready enough. Lord, I I know that I'm inadequate. But God, I also know it's not about me and it's about you. And so, Lord, I just present myself to you tonight as a willing vessel. And so, Lord, I'm just asking that you'd pour yourself out into us tonight. God, my heart's desire is to deliver your message, that they'd leave here knowing, not that they've heard from me, for who am I, but knowing that they've heard from you. So God, clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very things that you would have me to say here tonight. Lord, help them to understand and know is it's coming from you through my spirit to theirs. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. God, we love you tonight. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I'm ask, I want to start out with a question. And then we'll answer it tonight or, or you can answer it tonight. Verse 13. The last verse I read to you says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. My question is, is that verse, verse 13, is it one of the most misused verses in all of the Bible? Not the mis- most misused. I wouldn't ever make that claim. I, I wouldn't even know how to figure that out for sure. But my question to you, is that one of the most misused verses in all of the Bible? Maybe maybe the question that we shouldn't be asking ourselves or should be, you know, is, do you understand what it is saying? Uh, context is so important. So I've read to you the verses leading up to it. I'll talk a little bit more about the book of Philippians. But let's work through this passage of Scripture here tonight, and let's find out, all right? Uh, so you just keep that in mind as we, go, as we go through here. Now, to get on with my message... I can't preach on this passage of Scripture without addressing verse 13. That's why I brought that up and why we'll come back to that later. But my message tonight, if I was to title it, and I'm not one to really title my messages, but if I was to title it, I would title it um, something like The Secret of Contentment, right? I would probably pick that The Secret of Contentment because... You know, that's worn out, cliche, but yet, it, you know, the secret of whatever, the, the, the secret of, uh, I, I, I've got another message I preached one time, the secret of success, you know, it, it, what that does when we say the secret, it, we can't help. But, but it just kind of um, piques our interest, right? I guess this day and age you'd call it clickbait, right? Uh, you know, to get somebody to click on it, to read it or to watch it or whatever, even though yeah, I'm guilty of it too sometimes. I'll click on something, it'll get my curiosity. I'll know that it's clickbait, but I can't help it. I can't pass it up. I got to see what they say anyways. Maybe they're going to say something that I've not heard before or not thought of before. But here in the scripture, I think that we see the secret of contentment, I heard a story one time i I don't know if it's true, uh, probably on some level it is it doesn't matter though uh, it, it's just told for the point of the story and its very point the, the The point is very true. I think we can all relate to it, but anyways, the story is about a a, a pilot okay I, I think probably an airline pilot or whatever, but he was a pilot and he was flying over uh, the mountains and uh, from where he was, he's close enough to the ground that uh, as he's going over the mountains in the higher elevations uh, that you could see this, uh, this, this lake. Not a huge lake, but it, was, it wasn't no pond. It was a lake, you know. And as he's flying over, he always thought about this as he flew over, and uh, he leaned over to his co-pilot. He had a new co-pilot that, that time around. And anyways, he leans over to his co-pilot, and he said, you know, I grew up right down there. And he said, I spent a lot of time as a young man on that lake right there. And he said, I used to go there. He said, I can remember going there and fishing with my grandfather and, and friends and family. And he said, and I, there's a lot of times I just went down there by myself as a boy. He said, I spent a lot of hours and a lot of days on that lake fishing. And he said, that's where I really got the love for, uh, for wanting to be a, a, a pilot. He said, I used to sit down there, and at that high of elevation, you can see. If you've ever been up in the mountains, you'll know this is true. You can see them them airliners that are flying over. You can't see them a lot of times down here when they're flying way over. But you're up in the mountains. You're close enough to them. You can see them. And anyways, he'd say, you could always see those airliners flying over. And he said, I'd always look, and he said, man, I would love to be up there flying one of them airplanes. When I grow up, that's what I'm going to be doing. He said, but these days, he says, when I look down there at that little lake and I'm flying over, he said, back then I would look up and wish I was up here flying. But he said, when I fly over now, I look down there and I wish I was back down there on that little lake fishing again. I I thought it was a good point that the person was trying to make in that story. Contentment. To pursue contentment is what I would call a slippery slope. We go after, what I mean by that is, we go after the things that we think will make us happy only to find out that it didn't work. That it, in other words, it didn't make us happy. We thought it made us happy, right? He thought, he, when he was a little boy, he thought that he would like nothing more but to be up there flying them airplanes. When he's up there flying them airplanes, he wished nothing more that he'd be back down there like he was when he was a little boy sitting there at that lake fishing. I would say the big idea, right, the thing that I'm trying to drive at in this in this. This message and this passage of scripture, I'm not going to make you wait until the end. I'll tell you right now, right? It's when you rely on God, you will find contentment in whatever situation. That doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. When you learn to rely on God, you will find contentment in whatever situation that life hands you. All right? That's the point, that's the idea. Here is our problem. Our problem is our lack of contentment, right? Our lack of contentment. You just look around us. Look in our society today. Look in our own lives, right? Our lack of contentment is reflected in the high rate, first of all, of people moving, right? We're always on the move. We're always looking for something better, right? I've known people that uh, change houses like I change underwear, you know? I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Jennifer will tell me after a while. But, I mean, they're always moving, you know? I hate it. I wouldn't. I couldn't stand the idea of moving. But they're always moving. Is there a lack of contentment? Are they on the move? Are they always Always looking for a better uh, a house. You see the same thing with a job, right? And and so it's reflected in our lives and in our society today. We're always on the move. We're always looking for a better house. We're always looking for a better job, a better place to live, a better uh, place to raise a family, a better place to retire. And sometimes we're even on the move, looking for a better church or a better preacher, right? It's just a symptom of a la- the lack of contentment, right? Our lack of contentment, really, I think, really it's ugly head in the many divorces that, that occur daily in this land, in this day, in this society that we live in, right? People uh, they just don't think they can find happiness in their marriages. So they'll trade spouses like they're trading in, like they're trading cars, like they're trading in for a, a newer model or something like that, only to find that they have the same problems, that the same problems keep reoccurring. As a pastor, it just amazes me the number of people that you talk with and you work with and you try to counsel and you try to help and they come to you wanting to get married. And, and I've just seen it over and over, right? Just making the same mistakes, just reoccurring over and over, right? This one didn't work out. so And it's always all the other person's fault or, or pretty much all the other person's fault, you know? There might have been a little thing or two they could have done different or better, Right? But yet, that doesn't seem to be the fix of the answer, right? Because the next thing you know, it's the same thing all over again. Can I tell you a little something? If you can't make the marriage that you're in right now work, then there's a real good chance you ain't going to make the next one work either. It's not until you learn from your mistakes and correct them that you'll ever be able to make a marriage work. That's the advice I give all couples. I always do. In Philippians here, let's get back to our passage of Scripture. In Philippians, in the verses I read to you, verses 10 through 13, which that's that's one paragraph here in this letter. You see a man, right? This is written by a man who as he's writing this sits in prison because of corrupt officials. He is waiting for all that he knows what could be possible execution over false charges and he sits there and tells us how to find contentment. And the answer to it lies buried in the midst of If you really study the book of Philippians, I cannot find any other thing to call it than this. A thank you note. That's really what what Philippians is. It is a thank you note to the church at Philippi. And Paul has buried in it... As I'm bringing out tonight, the secret of contentment, but there's there's a lot of information that he has put in it for them. But really what this is, is this is a thank you note. See, the Philippian church had sent a financial gift to Paul uh, the, who is a prisoner right at this time awaiting trial and so they have sent him this gift and Paul wants to express his heartfelt thanks but at the same time he doesn't want to give the impression that the Lord was not sufficient for his every need so he kind of combines the two things right uh, he combines his thanks with the valuable lesson on the secret of being content regardless of what your situation might be so let's, let's go at it this way. What is contentment? Okay? What does that mean? What does it mean to be content? What is contentment? What does the Bible say about contentment? Well, actually, the Bible has quite a bit to say about this manner of being content. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 6, he said, Godliness without... Uh, excuse me. Godliness without with contentment is great gain. And then he goes on in verse 8, he says, And having food and clothing, let us be content. That's pretty... Uh, that's not asking a whole lot. The writer of Hebrews, whoever that might be, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 and verse 5 says, Be content with such things as ye have... For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I think about that for a minute. Contentment means to be satisfied, to feel like you have enough. Paul is not denying in any of this that there will be difficulties. I think he makes it clear. We've got his own life to look at and see as an example. He's not saying that there will not be hard times. My goodness, go read the end of 2 Corinthians, right? Uh, Read the last chapter or two there in 2 Corinthians. You'll see some of the things, some of the difficulties, the hard times that Paul went through, right? What he's saying is that he is content even in those difficulties, even in those hard times. I want you to notice here in the middle of verse 11, here in in, in Philippians chapter 4, I want you to notice that he says, I have learned, right? He's in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. What Paul is saying is that he has learned the secret of living a content life, or what it means to live a content life. Here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what Paul is trying to say. Contentment is something learned, right? In, in verse 12, Paul says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. I mean, think about it for a minute. In this statement, we get the idea of the state or the circumstances Paul's life, right? We see both ends of it: how to be abased and how to uh, abound, right? So first of all, let's let's look at those for a minute. What does he mean by those two things, right? He speak. First of all, he speaks of the circumstances that were abasing, right? Abasing that means to um, to humble. To make low, right? Uh, the, the actual word in the Greek language, and I try not to dive off in this too much, but once in a while, or not once in a while, a lot of times, the original word and in the context of how it was typically used paints such a beautiful picture that... I, I couldn't explain it or illustrate it any better. The word that is used that is translated here uh, to abase, which means to be humble or to make low, right, is actually the same word that they would sometimes use when they were speaking about uh, the river in a time of drought, right? It's like when we would say uh, the, the river is running low. Right? Because of a time of extreme drought or drought and that kind of thing. Right? So Paul is saying here, I know how to run low. Right? Paul knew what it was like to run low and be humbled by the circumstances of life. He knew what it was like to do without. It let me remind you for just a minute that when Paul wrote these words, he was not in a mansion, but he was in a prison. Right? He was not uh, he, he did not have a servant waiting on him. He had a soldier watching over him. Right? If anybody knew what it was like for the river to run low, it was Paul. And then the second word that he uses here, this is what's amazing and beautiful about all this, right? When he he, uh, speaks of his circumstances that were abounding. The word bound actually is the opposite. Speaks of the opposite of the word abase. It is actually used sometimes when it's talking about a river that is overflowing. That's the language, that's the picture that he he is painting here, right? That sometimes in his his life, right, it's like a drought and the river is running low. But then there's other times, right, whenever there's been plenty of rain and the the river is overflowing, right? His life, sometimes in his life, things are running low and other times it's abounding, it's overflowing. And in both of those circumstances, he has learned. Not something that God has supernaturally put in him that he, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying in both of those circumstances, he has learned how to be content. Paul had been on the top and he had been on the bottom. He had known both Prosperity and poverty. He had known in his own words circumstances that were abasing and circumstances that were abounding. Now, with that kind of understanding of the context of what Paul is saying here, let's go back to verse 13 that's what we're ready for understanding the context for the verse i can do all things through christ which strengthens me i don't know if in all of church history that has been as popular a verse as it's been the last 30 years i don't know i can't speak before that this verse A lost person that's wanting to use the Bible against Christians, the verse they know is judge not. I started to say, don't take this wrong. I want to say, don't get mad at me. But the truth is, if you take it wrong, Maybe God's saying something to you. And if you get mad at me, if you're really a Christian, you've got to love me, so you're going to have to get over it and forgive me. But the shallow Christian, the immature Christian, and I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way. It very possibly could be. Brother Jim preached to us. Those that were at the meeting Saturday, he preached to us uh, about this very thing. Those, matter of fact, he used the scriptures from uh, was that from Hebrews about those who uh, ought to be on the meat but are in need of milk again, need to be taught the first things, the basics again. It's one thing to be a shallow, immature. Christian when you're a babe in Christ, right? We all start out there, right? You're a babe in Christ, you're born in Christ, you're not start out, right, having read the, all of this Bible, having studied it thoroughly, having sat under good preaching and teaching, having to spend time in, in prayer with the Lord right and it wrestled with his word and what it is that you know he's trying to tell us and that right i mean that that's that's growing up that takes time to grow and mature and, and hey if that's where you're at i'm not i'm not trying to to say anything negative or bad about you look i mean that's like that's like you know saying something negative about Nathan because he's young I mean he's just a kid you know I mean there's growing to do right as Christians we're the same way we start out as a babe in Christ and there's growing to do and that's fine I guess maybe if somebody wants to take it like I'm getting on to them if you sat here if for 30 years or for 20 years, 30 years or 40 years and you're still a babe in Christ and maybe, maybe there might be something wrong, right? Maybe, maybe you have not been doing what you ought to be. Maybe there's a spiritual issue there. What I wanted to say was is the non-Christian who's trying to use the Bible against Christian, the verse they know is is judge not and the immature Christian, the one they know is I can do all things in Christ which strengthens me or through Christ which strengthens me. And we use that verse, right? We make it our life verse. Somebody afterwards explained it to me. I don't get it. I want the whole Bible to be my life verse, okay? I mean, you know, but why is it we take one and somehow we own that one and it's like all the rest is on a lower level? It's always been a thing with me, right? It was, maybe hopefully it's dying off, but man, it got popular there for a while, a few years back to advertise that your church is a church that preaches relevant messages what in the world does that mean relevant messages does that mean that you, sometimes you preach messages from the Bible and sometimes you preach messages that are not from the Bible? I know some churches like that. Actually, if we're going to talk about it, I'm telling you right now, every message that comes from the Word of God is relevant. Glory to God. And if the man of God that is standing up there and declaring it has done his job and done his work, he is bringing you the Word from the Word of God that's God's message for us tonight as the case may be here. And it it is definitely for us and if you've come expecting to hear from God you will hear from God and the Holy Spirit will make application and apply it to your heart I don't care if it comes from Philippians chapter 4 or Leviticus chapter 20 or number chapter 3 glory to God it is the word of God Isn't it ain't good for reproof and doctrine and I mean ain't it good for all that stuff We have people, often that we take this verse and we want to hang on to it in a special way, but we, we don't even, I mean, all these ones I'm talking about that quotes, that knows uh, Philippians four thirteen by heart, couldn't even roughly give you a sort of roundabout and general answer of even a clue what the verse before or after it says or even what it's talking about. It's Philippians 4.13. I've, it, I've got it embroidered on my Bible cover. It's my life verse. It's on the wall of the house. It's on the, you know, wherever, whatever. That's great. Learn the Word of God. Put it all up there. But the problem is, is we take it and we hang on to it like that, thinking, believing uh, that what it's saying is that if we have Christ on our side, uh, that we will be successful in everything that we set out, that we set their hand to do, right? And if for some reason it doesn't work out that way and they're not successful, then it just amounted to a lack of faith or, or, or some sort of nonsense like that. The problem with the whole thing is is that's not what Paul is saying at all. I, guess, I said I was going to let you figure it out. I guess I'm telling you here tonight, aren't I? What Paul is actually saying is nearly the opposite of that. Paul is saying that he can handle the times that feel like success, if you want to use that terminology, right? When the, let's use the terminology that's here, When, the, when the, the times when it's abounding, the times when the river is overflowing, and also the times when he feels like a failure, right? When he Abased whenever the river is running low, because he relies on Christ for his strength. That is where he is source of strength. So in all circumstances, whether they're good or bad, it's not saying that, I've got, uh, that since I've got Christ, then I'm invincible, and I can do anything and everything. That is not depend on the circumstances. There's some verses in the Bible that does kind of talk about and teach some of them things. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. But if we look at this in context, it's talking about Paul's learned how to be content in all circumstances, and the secret of that has to do with his relationship with Christ. H.A. Ironside, uh, he's a Christian commentator from years ago. He told of a Christian who asked another Christian how he was getting along. The the friend's reply, and I felt kind of convicted whenever I read this because... Uh, I say things like this sometimes. But anyways, the friend's reply was, Oh, I'm doing fairly well, given the circumstances, or under the circumstances. I think was the exact phrase that was used. The Christian that asked that to begin with, he replied, I'm sorry that you're living under the circumstances. The Lord would have us living above the circumstances. That's what Apostle Paul is talking about, the secret of contentment. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on, the secret to contentment is realizing that God has already given you in your present circumstances everything you need to make it. Everything that you need for whatever it is that you're facing in your present circumstances, right? This ability... Um, to, to understand this and to live this way and to live above the circumstances instead of under the circumstances, right? It, that does not come naturally. It must be learned and it must be developed through de- over time through dependence on and obedience to Christ. That is Paul's secret to contentment. The reason that Paul had learned to be content in all situations was that Paul had learned to rest in the fact that God knew his needs that God was able to meet his needs and that God would continue to meet his needs until the day that he called him home a lot of times even the best of it have a little trouble because we forget or we don't live like we realize and understand and have faith and believe. that God's all-seeing, he's all-knowing, there's nothing that is a surprise to him, nothing that is hidden to him. He knows what we're going through, he knows what our needs is, and He, as long as it is his will for us to continue to draw breath, He'll give us what we need to go through whatever it is that we're going through. Paul is saying that he had learned he could handle anything that life threw at him through Christ's power. And listen to me. Can I say this one more time? It's easier to understand what Paul means, what he's actually saying here, what he's getting at, when we realize that he is writing this letter from prison. Let that sink in. When we realize the circumstances in Paul's own life, when he wrote this thank you note to the church at Philippi, I think it's begin beginning to help us understand that the way that sometimes we misuse verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, or the way that we lack contentment. So, How about you tonight? How are you doing with contentment? Is that something that have you learned the same secret that Paul had learned? Or is that something that you struggle with still? I'll be honest with you, don't act like I stand up here and I'm perfect and got it all figured out, because I surely don't. I surely struggle with it sometimes. As Jennifer plays a song of invitation for us, I want to ask you to stand to your feet tonight. What's been going on in your life? Is the river running low or is it overflowing? A base or a bounty? Struggling? What's the need here tonight? Not that I've necessarily would be able to meet that need but I know the one that knows what you're going through and understands and provides maybe you need just the time to come and talk to him time to come and cry out to him come and cast your cares upon him whatever the need is here tonight I want you to know the altar is open I want to give you the invitation to come tonight Whatever it is, would you come tonight?